Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I am speaking on the topic, five things I wish I knew then that I know now. And so in spirit of this conversation that we're going to have about nutrition and health, I thought I would open up with a story of something that I wish I knew then that I know now. And that is the the conversation about pelvic floor health. All right. If you are a woman, if you have had children, you probably know where this is going to go. But this is something I definitely did not know when I was younger and why I should have paid more attention. So this happened a couple months ago. I actually wasn't even going to share this story because it was so embarrassing, but I figured it would give you all a good laugh. And so here goes nothing. So a couple, oh gosh, probably a month or so ago, I was working at our new location and it's not unusual that um, because I'm drinking water the whole time and I'm sitting down, when I stand up to um, walk a client out to the door or to the front desk so they can reschedule, all of a sudden I realize, oh my goodness, I really need to go to the bathroom. But then I get distracted. I'm like, let me just do this one thing and then I'll go to the bathroom. And then let me do this one thing and then I'll go to the bathroom. Well, it was at the end of the night. I got up, walked the client to the front desk. The person checks out and I'm writing my note. And I told Kelly, who works at our front desk, I really have to go to the bathroom. And she's like, well, then just go. And I'm like, no, I want to finish my note first and then I'll go. And so as I'm writing my note, I get a text from Jim, my husband, and he says, don't forget to put the water away. Um, We had bought bottles of water for the uh, grand opening week and had them out for people if they wanted it. Make sure you put it downstairs in in the refrigerator so they're not out all night. And so I finished writing my note and I went to go to the bathroom, but I'm like, you know what? No, let me just go take care of this water because I don't want to forget it. And so I start to take the water downstairs. Meanwhile, I'm like, Kelly, have you ever seen the basement yet? Come and check it out with me. So she walks down behind me and um, I put the waters away in the fridge. And I noticed that because the waters were on ice, the bucket that the waters were held in had a layer of water at the bottom. And so... I look around and I notice there's a utility sink in the corner of the basement. All right, well, let me go dump this water out while I'm down here. And so she started, Kelly started to go up the stairs and I walk over, I dump the water. I turn around, I notice the Bilco door is open uh, slightly. So then I go over and I shut that. And as I'm walking back towards the staircase, a bird is flying towards my head. Now, as this bird is flying towards my head, I'm trying to look at it because the first thought is, oh my goodness, it's a bat. 
So I'm looking at it and I'm like, is this a bat or is it a bird? Meanwhile, it's still continuing to fly towards my head. And I'm like, bat or bird, bat or bird? Nope, definitely a bird. Meanwhile, now it is within inches of my head. I pulled the bucket up over my head. I crouch down to duck and scream. And guess what happens? I totally pee myself. Totally peed myself. And I'm screaming, Kelly, Kelly, get down here. <laughs> There's a bird. And I, oh my gosh. And so she's running. She's like, I thought I heard something flapping. <laughs> so we run upstairs. We shut all the doors to make sure that this bird doesn't um, come upstairs. And, um, and I'm like, oh my goodness, my Kelly, you're never going to guess what happened. I just peed myself. And she's like, what? I'm like, thank goodness. It's the end of the night. So we called Jim to come to the office to help get rid of this bird. And I call him and I was like, all right, I'm heading home. He's like, well, no, just stay there until I get there. I'm like, honey, I can't. I literally peed my pants. Like I got to go home and get a shower. And he's like, are you kidding me? Nah, you're just joking. I'm like, no, 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 I'm joking. I held the bucket above my head and I peed. And it's this whole thing. He's like, just hold on. I'll be there in a couple minutes. So he comes in. I think my daughter was in the shower because she comes in the door with Jim like she's drenched and she's dripping wet and she's in her pajamas. And the first thing, so my one daughter, Charlie and Bella, actually both girls are there and my son, Ben. And Ben comes walking in the door. He's like, you peed your pants? I'm like, Ben, let's focus on the task at hand here. There's a bird flying around in the basement. He just like couldn't get over the fact of what happened. So this is your bonus tip of things I wish I knew then that I know now is pelvic floor health is very, very important. You think that you're going to be fine when you get older and you're not. Jumping jacks are a thing of the past. Running in place, high knees, all those things, jumping jacks jump um trampoline parks yeah the, you got to do some work on that so if you are listening to this and you are younger um do your homework do your kegels do all the things that they tell you to do because then when you become my age and it becomes an issue and a bird flies at your head you're gonna have to explain to your kids why you need to go get a shower because you peed yourself so anyway that is your bonus tip for the day now let's get right back down to business. All right. So I highlighted five things. <laughs> if you can even focus at this point, if you've even stayed with me until this point and have not turned the podcast off, uh, I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for being here. <laughs> All right. But back to why you actually um, tuned in for this episode. So five things I wish I knew then that I know now. Um, and the first thing that I'm going to highlight is putting yourself down actually slows down the process. And as a side note, so does comparison. So one thing that I wish I knew then that I know now is that putting myself down actually slows down the process. And what I mean by that is we are really good at judging ourselves, of constantly nitpicking what we're doing wrong, why it's not good enough, how we messed up, we could do 4,000 good things and one bad thing, and our brain likes to play a highlight reel over and over and over again of what we screwed up. One of the things I have my clients do is assess their day, and they first have to look at what went right. 
even though their brain is going to tell them how many things they did wrong, I tell them, hold up, first focus on what went right first. It's a discipline. You actually have to teach your brain to look for the good. And there's so many good parts of that. I've mentioned that a ton in previous episodes. Um, But when I was younger, I thought that the judgment and the harshness and the cruel words and the nitpicking and the uh, staring at myself in the mirror and, um, you know, paying attention to all my flaws or the parts I didn't like, I thought that that was going to motivate me to try harder, to do better, to be more disciplined and be more motivated, to have more willpower. And it actually did the opposite. As you can imagine, after you tear yourself apart, you feel terrible. And when you feel terrible, you tend to seek out a coping strategy. You start to believe that you're not going to be able to be successful and that you're not going to be able to meet your goals. I also learned that withholding love for myself and giving myself self-care and body acceptance and all that stuff, if you think that all that is going to magically happen once you lose your weight, that doesn't work that way either. You have to learn how to love yourself through the process. And I know people say that, and you've heard it before. And when you hear it, you're like, yeah, right, that's not going to work. You, you automatically just downplay it and, and tell yourself that that's not how it's going to work for you. But it's honestly how it works. When you figure out how to love yourself through the process where you're at right now, it opens so many doors and changes your mindset about everything. One of the things that I like to ask my clients is, would you talk to a four-year-old the way you're talking to yourself? That's usually a good indicator of whether or not you need to change your dialogue. And so the first thing that I would note that I wish I knew then that I know now is putting myself down slows down the process. And like I said, same thing with comparison. If you're constantly comparing your body to other people's, All it does is it makes you feel bad. And when you feel bad, you're not motivated to do the things you actually want to do to meet the goal. That's how this thing works. Kindness always motivates. Building yourself up motivates. Tearing down never does. Gosh, I know this is true even when I talk to my kids. You know, if I tear them down or tell them how, you know, they're lazy and I don't why they're not doing their stuff like they're not motivated to all of a sudden stand up and start you know helping out around the house it's the positive affirmation it's the constant praising them for the good things and recognizing all the great things that they're doing that is what motivates them to keep trying new things so I want you to really analyze how do you talk to yourself would you say the same things to yourself that to a four-year-old. If not, it's time to change your dialogue. The second thing that I wish I knew then that I know now is that all dieting is disordered eating. A lot of us have spent a long time, as we mentioned in point number one, tearing ourselves down and judging ourselves. And that feels bad. 
And when we're bad, we need to be punished, right? Bad people go to jail. Bad people have to face consequences. Bad people for eating things that they shouldn't be eating need to go on restrictive diets. And so we feel like we have to punish ourselves. I mean, let's be real here. Doesn't dieting feel like a punishment? You know, you didn't do what you were supposed to do, so now you've got to face the consequences, and now you're not allowed to eat your, your favorite foods, and now you have to follow all these rules. That Let's be honest. You're not going to follow through with, especially if they're super restrictive. You are not a bad person. I am not a bad person based off of what I ate. I'm going to say that again for the people that need to hear it in the back. (laughs) You are not a bad person based off of what you did or didn't eat. And for so long, that was my narrative, especially when I was younger. Oh, you were bad today. Therefore, you need to be punished and you're not allowed to eat those foods anymore. And it's funny because I used to have that all or nothing mindset. You're not allowed to have that food anymore, like ever. And in those moments, I honestly believed that I was never, ever going to eat those foods again. I don't know what I was thinking because it didn't work. It didn't work the first time I tried it or the 432nd time I tried it. It didn't work. So I want you to think about your way of eating. I don't even want to use the word diet right now because it's very confusing. Your diet is what you eat. That is actually what the definition of diet should be. But we have twisted that word to mean restriction. Are you dieting? Dieting doesn't have to be that. You do not need punished because you are not bad. Are there ways to make better choices? Absolutely. But the all or nothing mentality, the punishment for being bad, that doesn't work. I talked about that a lot with point number one. So I guess I don't need to go too much into it for the second point. But all dieting is disordered eating. If you want to have a healthy relationship with food, there can't be restriction. It doesn't work that way. Labeling foods as good or bad keeps you in the dieting loop, the loop that you're so desperately trying to escape from. If you're looking to make changes, there's another way of doing it, one that doesn't require disordered eating, one that doesn't require constant loops of binging and restricting. Part of that, step one, as we learned in point number one, is learning how to talk to yourself with respect learning how to talk to yourself with kindness. So you're going to notice these five things are all intertwined because they all feed off of each other. Let's jump to the third thing that I wish I knew then that I know now. You don't need a new plan. You need a new mindset. Ugh! If I could tell you how many years I spent creating spreadsheets. I love a spreadsheet. I love a good Excel spreadsheet. But how many times I would create spreadsheets and journals and I would come up with all these new plans. If I just had a different exercise plan, if I just had a different eating plan, if I just followed this many calories, then I will reach my goal. 
And guess what? It didn't really work that way. And so I would come up with a new plan. And I'd get so excited when a new plan came along. Like giddy excited. I would, oh, I wanted to do all the things. I wanted to check off boxes, color in things, everything. And what I realized is that a new plan didn't get me any closer to my goals. What I really needed was a new mindset. And that's where journaling has really helped me. I spent a good year journaling over and over um, different, using different prompts like, this is what I'm proud of. And my self-worth comes from this. And I'm really grateful for this. I started changing my mindset and looking for all the positives instead of all the negatives. I started challenging some of my beliefs around my body and food. And I started questioning, how do I want to think about these things? And when I figured that out, I started practicing. It wasn't perfect, but I practiced over and over again until that new mindset shift became my inner dialogue. We've talked about this before. Ultimately, your thoughts become your behaviors. And so if thoughts are the driving force of how you act in a moment, then wouldn't it make sense that we spend a lot of time talking about our thoughts and how to think differently about things? One of the things that I learned is in moments of weakness, I would say the words, I don't care. I just want to do what I want to do. The problem is that wasn't even true. It can't be true. I do care. I did care. I created tons and tons of spreadsheets. That's how much I cared. But in the moment, I would tell myself, I don't care. I just want to do what I want to do, and I'll deal with the consequences later. And then I would feel shame, and then I would judge myself, and around and around and around we would go. I used to think I needed to stay within a certain amount of calories. And then that got hard. You know, if I would go out or I wouldn't know exactly what somebody put in a dish. And I thought, oh, my plan just needs to get better. I need to tighten up on my plan. and I need to get more detailed. And I was just getting more and more frustrated with the process. And so one of the things I learned now that I didn't know back then is that my body tells me exactly what it needs. I just needed to learn how to listen to it. I didn't need another calorie plan. I needed to learn how my body communicated to me physical hunger, emotional hunger, physical fullness, emotional fullness. Once I learned those things, oh my goodness, it was a game changer. Coupled that with how I talked to myself, it was completely different from the punishing disordered eating that I was so accustomed to in my earlier years. And so if you're listening to this, I just want you to know there is a different way to do this. One that's positive, one that you get excited to, to work on every day, not feel punished. A new plan isn't going to change your thoughts about food. A new plan will make you feel motivated because there's hope 
that this new plan will be the answer to everything. But at the end of the day, if you're just left with your old thoughts, you're going to return to your old behaviors. That is why so many people yo-yo because they don't do the thought work. And every time I tell somebody, well, I'd like you to go get a journal because we're going to, you know, really dive into your thoughts about it. There's the eye roll, the, ugh, I don't want to do that. Okay. Well, if you don't want to do that, then I'll probably see you next year and the year after that and the year after that and for the next 20, 30 years. Doing this work up front pays off tenfold, twentyfold, a hundredfold, exponential. Let's just say that. Do the work up front. It makes everything so much easier. It's why dieting is hard. It's because you're trying to attack it from the wrong angle. And so that is one of the things I wish I knew then. All right, number four. One change is better than 15 changes. So I kind of mentioned this before. I would get so super excited about a new plan. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to eat well. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to manage my stress. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to journal everything. I'm going to, gosh, what else? I mean, you name it, I was going to do it. I was going to get good grades if I was in school and I was having this. You know, it wouldn't just be physical things. Oh, I'd throw all of it in. I'm going to get, you know, this grade in this class. I'm going to go to church every Sunday. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to, you know, volunteer this many hours a week. I'm going to all the things. And you can imagine what happened when I tried to do all the things. I burned out and I did none of the things. I got overwhelmed. Why do we think we can add a list of 40 things to our plate when we already have 40 more things on our plate than we should. Nutrition, journaling, exercise, all those good stuff, all those good things, not even good English there, sorry. All those good things require time and energy. They require effort. If you already are in short supply of those things, How the heck do you think you're going to find time to add more things to your plate? Jim is always really good about telling me, you can't keep adding. Something has to go. And I don't want it to be the family. (laughs) Because that's honestly what happens with me. When I get so wrapped up in things and I start adding things and, yep, I'll do this and I'll do that. Um, My family obligations, they start to take a back seat. And he knows that that's not the type of person I want to be. Um, plus, it's not good for, for us or for the kids. So, you know, he's really good at reminding me, if you're going to take that on, what are you going to let go of? But we're excited. We're caught up. We want to do all the things because this is it. This is the last time I'm ever going to do this. So if I'm going to do it, let's do it all. And we get burned out. And for years, I got burned out. Until I found motivation, and then I would try to do all the things again, and then I would get burned out. And around and around and around we go. One small change and, you know, really working at it, perfecting it, you know, moving on is so much better than starting 15 things and quitting 15 things. 
I was telling a client today when I was meeting with her, you know, just pick one thing to work on. Just one. I know you want to do all of them, but just pick one thing and trust me on this. And then I told her how a couple years ago, I was working really hard at not eating past fullness at dinner. And you know how long I gave myself to work on that goal? A whole year. I figured I had 40 some years of practicing eating past fullness. It was going to take more than a week or two to figure out how not to do that. But for a lot of us, we want to practice it once or twice. And then we get frustrated when we haven't made it a long-term habit. It's going to take a lot of repetition. Pick one thing, just one thing, and work on it over and over until you feel really confident about it. Work on it over and over again until you get cocky. And once you get cocky, I want you to work on it some more because you probably need a couple more times. One small goal, I promise you, you will feel so much better once you execute that goal and then you can move on to the next one. 15 causes burnout. I read sometime, uh, gosh, this was a couple years ago, I think, too. It said, you can only focus on two things at, one, at a time, two major things at a time. I was like, oh, well, if that's family and work, I got no more. <laughs> I'm out of things. I remember calling my friend and being like, I don't like this. I need at least five things. I don't like the fact that I get two. But it's true. We can only focus on so many things at a time. We're human. So don't, don't go back to tip number one and start putting yourself down and judging yourself for not being able to do all the things. You were never meant to do all the things. You are not Superman or Superwoman. You are you. You are perfect you. Let it go. One small thing. All right. And finally, the fifth thing that I wish I knew then that I know now is that there really isn't an end goal. What happens when you reach your goal? We all have this vision of what we think is going to happen. Like, I want to lose 20 pounds. Well, what do we think is going to happen when we hit 20 pounds? Are we going to finally be nicer to ourselves? We talked about that already. You know, are we just going to magically be happy and always be able to stay at our goal and never have to worry again? Because once I hit it, I'm just going to magically um, turn to maintenance and it's just going to be perfect. There is no end goal when it comes to nutrition. It's a moving target. There's always going to be another thing. You might lose 20 pounds and then you realize, I don't like the way my legs look now that I'm 20 pounds lighter. I actually like them filled out more. And so if you're used to picking yourself apart, being down 20 pounds isn't going to change that. You'll just find something else to pick apart. Your emotional health, your physical health, your spiritual health, your intellectual health, they're all in constant flux. That's based on environment, on circumstances, on other people. There is no one destination that you're going to arrive at and everything will be perfect, at least on this side of earth. In heaven, I truly believe that's where we'll be. But for right now, that's not one of the options. So withholding, you know, love from yourself till you reach your goal, 
it's not going to ever happen because there is no goal. There's always going to be something else you can work on. And that's okay. That's why we put so much emphasis on enjoying the journey and not putting so much focus on just the end. It doesn't exist. And we need to be okay with that. Doesn't mean we can't try new things, change things, try to do things better. No, of course we can do that. We learn. That's how we learn from our mistakes, from our conversations with other people, from experiences. That's how we gain confidence. But so much of what we do is based on the journey, not the goal itself. So that's one thing I had to figure out. I was so preoccupied with the end game that I forgot to enjoy the journey along the way. And I missed out on so many things. I missed out on celebrating things, you know, celebrating wins, getting excited about things that I was accomplishing, you know, being proud of myself. Because I was always like, well, yeah, sure, I did that. But it's not like I did this. And I would focus on what I hadn't achieved yet. Because I thought once I achieved the goal, then I could be happy. And it never came. And I was just unhappy a lot. And I was like, that's not who I want to be. You've got to figure out how to enjoy the journey along the way, which again, ties back into number one, and number two, and number three and number four. See, I told you they all feed off of each other. All right, guys. So I hope some of these things were helpful for you too. Maybe you're struggling in some of these areas. And if you are, I'd love to have a conversation with you and, and help you think about maybe a new way of thinking about things, um, challenging some of those thoughts and coming up with new thoughts that are actually true, helpful, and kind. Uh, obviously, you can get in touch with me through um, our socials, uh, like Facebook and Instagram. I'm at Body Metrics Health. But you can also schedule an appointment. We accept all insurances in our, um, well, I should say most insurances. There's probably one or two we don't. Um, and most insurances cover nutrition counseling. So if this is something that I can help you with, I'd love to, you know, meet with you and see uh, what kind of progress we can make. And if you can learn from my mistakes, then all of them were worth it. Okay, so let me give you your recipe. This is actually for a Greek white bean soup. It kind of reminds me of the braised white beans from Zoe's Kitchen. So if you like that, I think you're going to love this soup. Uh, for this recipe, you're going to need two and a half cups of cannellini beans, two tablespoons of olive oil, one onion chopped, two and a half teaspoons of minced fresh oregano, or you can also use three quarter teaspoon of dried, six cups of chicken broth. If you're a vegetarian, you could use six cups of veggie broth, four celery ribs cut into half inch pieces, three tablespoons of lemon juice, one teaspoon of pepper, and two tablespoons of fresh parsley. All right. Um, so in a Dutch oven or a big pot, whatever you want to call it, over medium heat, you're going to cook your onions with a little bit of salt and pepper until they're softened and lightly browned. All right. Uh, about five to seven minutes. And then you're going to stir in the oregano and cook until it's fragrant. So until you smell the oregano for about 30 seconds. 
Go ahead and stir in your broth, your celery, your beans, and bring everything to a boil. And you can reduce the heat to low and simmer those beans uh, for about 30 to 40 minutes. Once you're done, you can process two cups of soup in a blender until smooth and then return to the pot. Alternatively, if you have one of those immersion blenders, you can just kind of go in there and um, kind of blend up some of the soup. You're not going to make it a pureed, so you're not going to blend the whole thing. You're just going to blend part of it just to thicken it up because that beans will, will thicken up almost as if you were making a roux. Um, with a gravy, the beans, the starch from it will thicken the soup up so it'll be nice and warm and wonderful. And then um, you can just heat the soup over low heat. Uh, you can adjust with more broth if you need to. And then go ahead and stir in your lemon juice, some pepper, and your fresh parsley. Um, you can serve with a little extra drizzle of olive oil. I don't think that's necessary. Again, if we're trying to talk from a more of a healthy part of it, that's a, you know, some people will finish a soup off with a little olive oil. It just adds more calories. So if you need it, go for it. And if you don't, you can omit. But that is your recipe for the week. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Again, I hope this was helpful and I will see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.